Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, the founder of Influencer Marketing and Branded Content Agency, Hollywood Branded. This podcast provides brand marketers a learning platform for top experts to share their insights and knowledge on topics which make a direct impact on your business today. While it is impossible to be well-versed on every topic and strategy that can improve bottom line results, my goal is to help you avoid making costly mistakes of time, energy, or money, whether you are doing a DIY approach or hiring an expert to help. Let's begin today's discussion. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacy Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacy Jones, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today. I want to give a very warm welcome to Lynn Gladner. Lynn is the founder and chief creative officer at Your People, a marketing and public relations company with a focus on purpose and story that revolutionizes how companies and organizations build brand awareness and grow their bottom line. Her agency's core focus is on helping schools, universities, and education-focused entrepreneurs and organizations grow through strategic storytelling, mutually beneficial relationships, and higher purpose. Additionally, Lynn is the host of the podcast, Make Meaning, a Forbes Agency Council member, and she has received numerous awards for her innovative leaderships in marketing and public relations. Today, we're going to talk about the role of story and relationships in marketing. We'll learn what works from Lynn's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some businesses miss the mark. Lynn, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Super happy to have you here today. And I would love for you to start off and share a little bit about what got you to here today in your career. Sure. So um, I'm a storyteller first and foremost, and I have been since I was a little girl. I would carry around a corduroy covered journal in the 1970s and 80s and just write down poems and skits and stories wherever I went. And um, that was just my first love. And so as I grew up and um, started thinking about careers, it never occurred to me that I could actually make a living storytelling. So I thought, you know, is it business? Is it law? Is it medicine? While I was on the school newspaper at University of Michigan, and I was freelancing for local publications. And then one day it hit me, uh, this is what I love, and this is what I should do. And so I started out my career as a journalist. And I lived in New York City and Washington, DC, came home to Detroit in the late 90s. And um, I was a journalist writing for magazines and newspapers all across the country until about 2007, when the economy was changing and journalism with it. And I was becoming a single mother to three little kids, ages one, three, and five. And I thought, okay, what do I do? I have these skills. I can communicate. Um, I know how to tell a good story. And so how can I use these skills to help businesses that will pay me? And Your People was born. And so at first, it was just a hunch. I want to take my communication skills go to companies, see if they'll hire me and do what they need. And over time, that really grew into a focus on public relations and marketing. And I pivoted those journalism skills into uh, marketing savvy. And so I do it from the perspective of telling a story and connecting with people. Um, it's not cookie cutter PR, it's not cookie cutter marketing, but I've done a lot of training since then. So I do have those skills in my toolbox as well. And my hunch was that if you connected with people on an authentic level, uh, person to person, heart to heart, with a story that really pulled at those heartstrings, um, you built a relationship that was mutually beneficial, then it benefited the business, it benefited the customer, and that would have some longevity. And all of this revolves around having a higher purpose. So businesses that I work with um, are not just out to make a buck, although we all are, we all want to earn a living and, and do it well. But really, it's, there's something more than that. They want to make a difference. They want to affect change. They want to make the world a better place. And so that is what connects their customers with them and, and really ensures their success. 
Well, two points on that. One, it makes absolute sense that you are able to craft this whole idea of telling your story with your journalist background, because I think so many brands and we've worked with them and done PR, they think that, oh, I made this product. It is press worthy. It is newsworthy. People <laughs> love it. And a journalist, if you go out and pitch that and knock on doors, they're like, yeah, what the, another crap product? What? Great. <laughs> right. What's the story here? How am I going to write about it? Hey, this new thing is blah. So right. having that story is so essential on that PR side. Yes, definitely. And it's interesting because over the years, you know, I've been in business now for 13 years and um, except for two of those years, I've always worked from home and had a remote team, which I really appreciate. And so we've transitioned well in this time, but um, you know, we had different niches over time and it was always purpose-driven businesses. So for a number of years, a lot of yoga studios, yoga, conferences, yoga for healing companies were our niche. Um, I did a lot of food writing as a journalist. So I had a lot of food entrepreneurs, not necessarily just restaurant chains, but mom and pop uh, restaurants or carryouts or somehow taking their culture and their family history and ancestry and putting it into the food. So there was a story already at the beginning. And then, um, and over the years, we've had other niches as well. Right now, we really specialize in education. So universities and schools, education-based nonprofits and entrepreneurs. And we work with cities a lot. So municipalities, um, smaller cities that have a sense of community and really want to um, understand the fabric of the people who live there. And so again, there's a, there's a purpose driving all of this. It's more than just the, I'm doing business, I'm making a buck. It's really about, it's caring about people's fate and their well-being. And so um, with education, there's just no limit to the stories we can tell, to the theories and philosophies behind how we educate ourselves and our children. And um, oh my gosh, we could talk about it until the cows come home. So it, there's a lot there. And I think it has to start from that place of meaning and purpose if it's going to have staying power. Yeah. And I think the second point that your earlier conversation that actually ties directly to this is you are actually super ahead of the game because there's a whole generation that they only care about the story, the purpose, the passion that's coming mm -hmm. up. Your Gen Zs yep. and your millennials, especially your younger gen uh, millennials, that's yeah. what they're driving forces. They don't care about the logo. They don't care about what the product is. It needs to be a good product. But they sure. care about that story and you're able to help companies actually find that better, which is going to help them more marketable, be more marketable tomorrow. Absolutely. And I love that actually. It's funny because some people will sort of, you know, diss the younger generation and I mm -hmm. see so much wisdom and energy and also like not being bound by certain parameters or expectations, really living outside the box in a way that feels right for them. And that's something that I've always tried to do. Um, I come from an entrepreneurial family. And so it was always like, well, why does it have to be the status quo? Why can't we do things differently? And so I try to work with clients who don't see a box. They don't want to be penned in. It's, it, they're imagining the work they do in totally different and new ways. And when you do that, the sky's the limit. And so it's interesting. It's innovative. It, it's exciting. You want to get on board and be swept up with them. So when you're working with a client, and it's a new client that come to you and they're like, yeah, help me with my story. I want PR. I want the world to love me. Yeah. How do you start off? What is the first thing that you do with them? So it used to be that a client would come to us and say, you know, get us on Facebook and that'll grow us. And, or, the, or can you send out media press releases, whatever it is. Um, and then I would look at them and I'd say, and I, I just have a sort of 
methodical way of looking at a client and getting to know them. And so I'd say, well, let me understand what you do and, and why you do it and the backstory. And that's when it would occur to me, you guys don't have a clear story. And everybody's saying different things about this brand. So we need to take a step back and we need to define who and what you are and why you do what you do. And so it sort of just happened in the natural course of working with a client. Now we really try to start with the story development, what we call foundational narrative development. And um, we try to have clients bring us on for that and then build a marketing strategy. And then if they want us to help implement it, we will. But we try to impress upon people that that story is where everything begins. And so where do we start with that? Well, I always go back to the origin. So why did this organization come to be? You know, was it a founder? Was it uh, a need? What, what was the story that really started it all? And then how has it evolved over time? So I want to see that progression. And then if I'm, if I'm lucky, I'll have the time to interview people. So people who have already, maybe they've been pa- past customers and they were thrilled. Maybe they're current customers. Uh, maybe it's the CEO. Maybe it's somebody who was just hired. And, you know, why did they come to work here? And I try to interview at least a dozen people and, and listen to what they say. Why did you choose to engage with this organization? What was your experience like? You know, what do you think they do well? And the same words start to come up again and again. And that's when you know you're hitting on some truth. Because when a variety of people from all different backgrounds and interests can say the same thing about your brand, then you know that, that you're hitting on something that's really important. And I don't even think a lot of companies know what that is you know, what their value is. They think it's one thing, but their customers perceive it differently. And so if we have the time and luxury to really dig down and determine what that is, the story is going to be stronger and richer and way more successful. And I know you work with a lot of, you know, you said like food entrepreneurs, right? So smaller, mm-hmm. but you also work with you know, very large educational driven um, companies that are a little bit more corporate. And yep. storytelling is not about the size of your company. Storytelling is really about the ethos of your brand. Yes, it's a willingness to connect. And so it's funny because you would think with storytelling, you'd want to be doing all the talking. But so much of it begins with the listening and to understand really what your market niche is. It may not be what you intended. It may not be what you started out doing. It might have grown and evolved. But you have to be open to that shift and that flow. And so you listen in order to really get a story that satisfies you, but satisfies the people you're attracting. And then you use that. So what we do is we have, it could be five to 10 paragraphs. It's not super long, but that's the foundational narrative. And we establish it. Everybody agrees on it. And that is sort of, you know, what we're empowering everybody within the company to use when they speak about it. And then those are the words and anecdotes that we go back to for all the communications. So when it comes to um, our media relations, you know, our stories should really align with what they want to stand for. Um, When it comes to social media, we want to, you know, have a content calendar that keeps hammering home the same concepts. And, you know, the same thing goes with events and, you know, just anything we do. Um, email blasts, you know, I'm a big fan of editorial calendars so that all the communication channels are interweaving and speaking about the same topics in the same way, because then we're really hitting people with a brand message that's consistent and it's compelling. When you say five to 10 paragraphs, that's not five to 10 pages. That's nope. literally something that's digestible, that all of your employees should read, that Maybe you wouldn't give the whole thing to a reporter if you're trying to work with them on a PR pitch, but you would give the best nuggets of it. 
Yep. And so you can distill those five to 10 paragraphs down to what we call a boilerplate in press, you know, in a press release, which is the bottom one to three paragraphs at the end of the press release about your company. And so we usually do that for clients. So we'll have the foundational narrative and then we'll have a boilerplate that's a lot more spare and concise. And the thing is that, you know, and I realized this many years ago when I started working with schools and universities that um, there was a school I was working with and I um, had a child in that school as well. And um, I was just waiting after school for pickup and this teacher went by and I had a question for her and she responded really abruptly. And it was just, I think we were both just sort of caught off guard, but it was a really unpleasant interaction. And I thought, okay, she's a brand representative of this school. And I'm a consumer at this moment because I was a parent in that mode. I wasn't the marketing person at that moment. And that interaction could sour the relationship with a constituent irrevocably. And so that's when I realized, you know, every single person who represents an organization is speaking for the brand and in every interaction. And if you're not empowered to know how you're representing it and aware that this is what you're doing every single time you open your mouth, you could do damage. And so it was just really important from that moment on to make sure everybody's on board, everybody embraces the story, everybody can easily let it roll off the tongue so that you know they don't have to think, well, what were those words? You know, It's just something that they're really living and that way um, you can ensure that it's a consistent brand message and, and it's appealing to people who receive it. And I think that goes into even making sure that that story that you're working on is filled with your core values of your company. Yeah. Because if you have someone who is answering your front desk phone and they're sharp and they're snide and they're right. off-putting and right. not patient and your story is that you know, you come from a place of love and appreciation and <laughs> right. as you did this, you built this to help the community. It's completely not in alignment. That's really true. And it's funny because when you have core values or um, value propositions and you're putting it on your website and you're, you're putting these words together, if you look at a lot of what companies do, they're kind of unrelatable words that they choose, you know? And so you have to make this specific and livable and they have to be words that people can access. So if, if you say de dependability is one of our values, well, what does that mean? Let's get specific about it and, and really you know, talk about how you act in the day-to-day, -day, how you interact with customers to paint that picture. So they know what it means to be dependable because what you might think it means and what I might think it means are two different things. And then all of a sudden there's a disconnect. So it's really important. I, th I think this is you know, a great time to bring up the idea that when we work in an industry or in a particular niche, we speak a certain language that people outside of it may not. And once you bring customers on, they speak your language, but you have to get them in the door. And so your story has to be relatable to people who just don't know anything about you. It has to be something that really pulls at the humanity in them. So it's that relationship, that person to person connection. And so it's really important that we get these words right and that the average Joe on the street can understand it. Is dependable could mean, oh yeah, I show up on time for work. I'm dependable. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Or it could mean that when there's a crisis and somebody's calling you at midnight, you answer the phone and you make them feel better. I mean, it, who knows what that means? And so we have to define the words in ways that the majority of people can really digest them. So you have the story development, you have the boilerplate, you mm -hmm. are now fairly well prepared to go out and pitch to mm -hmm. media. Um, what are the next steps? What do you do then? How, you know, you, you've gotten that piece of business, they hired yep. you on. Yep. Now what are you doing with it? 
So you have the story and then the next piece is building mutually beneficial relationships. And so I believe that marketing is a relationship. You know, we're in a really different era of business. It used to be that you could, you know, pay for an ad and people would buy whatever was in the ad. And it was just an easy transaction. It's not like that anymore. People are purchasing ways of living. They're purchasing values. They're purchasing perspectives and hopes and dreams. And so you have to rise above and actually be more than whatever you're selling. It has to be integrity based. It has to be um, something that's really going to change people's lives. And so with that in mind, it has to have mutual benefit. And this goes for your customers and for you and also for media. So when you're pitching media, you know, what's in it for the reporter or the editor or the producer, why would they want you on the air or in the pages, you know? And so there has to be benefit all around. And, you know, it's funny because the way that I built relationships with journalists, because I was one, is one of person to person. So I'm not a schmoozy person. I'm actually more of an introvert than I should be for this industry. But I, um, I build relationships with journalists that are real friendships. And so I want to get to know who they are. I want to, you know, really interact and care about them and have them care about me. So I'm not pitching people blindly. I, you know, there are reporters that I know that I pitch maybe once a year because I know that the other times it's just not a fit. But then when I do pitch them, they look at it and they respond. And even if it's not a fit, they'll tell me why and they'll send me to someone else. And so I have to know that what, what they're looking for in their coverage and what's going to help them do their job and make sure that that's a fit. And that's a really responsible approach to pitching media. So that relationship element is probably even more important than story. Once you have your story, you have to have that respect for the customer, respect for the media. You have to make sure there's something in it for every person along the way. I think when um, we have a lot of media coverage at our agency and mm -hmm. it, it started, it was driven by, it's grown over the years, but you know, a lot of it's because you can find so much about us through inbound content and our blogs and this podcast and um, obviously relationships that have been cultivated. But the reason sure. why I think we've had so many um, journalists who stick around and move from one outlet to another and they stay in contact is mm -hmm. because when we're being, when I'm being interviewed, I think less about it of, you know, can I get my point across, you know, whether it's for my agency or for one of our clients, it's mm -hmm. more about how can I help this reporter tell their story better? What do they not know? What insights do they need to know that have nothing to do that they're going to, you know, quote me about? How can mm -hmm. I help them actually gain knowledge very quickly so mm -hmm. that they are better prepared to tell their own story and in that way, tell my story along the way. And it really Absolutely. does work. Yeah. You know, it's funny because anytime I'm interviewed, I, I'm so curious about the person interviewing me. So I'm sitting here talking with you and I'm happy to share my expertise, but I'm like, okay, I have 12 questions about you and your life. Let's talk after because I want to know this person in front of me. And that's yeah. just, that's what made me curious as a journalist. That's what makes me love working with clients um, because, you know, I can do the job really well, but I really want to know the person. And, and I think, think that's the fun right there is getting to know what makes somebody tick, what worries them. Can I help in some way? Um, we're in a very relational time, even social media, you know, social media can be a drain. Um, it can be really superficial, but it also is a lifeline and it can be the way that, you know, people become real. And we can say, hey, I'm here for you. I may be, you know, thousands of miles away, but I really do care and I'm listening and you're not alone. I mean, I think people need to be seen and heard and know that they're not alone. 
Yeah, I think that's, you know, social media has really been the driver for the more casual video, the more casual comments and the yeah. reality of who a brand is, who an individual, who an entrepreneur is, because it, it used to be that all of the content you created had to be so perfect, no right. rough edges, you know, no ums, no ahs, no like weird looks or something, right. but that reality that we get across because we're seeing so much in social feeds now, people actually trust the authenticity more when right. they hear some mistakes along the yeah. way. It's funny, you know, I obviously I'm podcasting from home in this time. And so I've been playing around with like, which room in the house has the best sound. And um, so I have a great microphone and I was trying to decide if I wanted to muffle the sound at all. So I took like a winter sock and like put it over the top. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm taking a picture of that for social because yeah. that's very real. And it's hilarious. And it actually made the sound better that day. So, you know, it was just, I love that. I love when people are goofy and um, honest. And because, you know, all of us are nerds or insecure or whatever. And just being, realizing that and relating on that level, I think is um, a lot more authentic than anything else. Yeah, and it can be part of your story. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. So what is the next step? Where do you go from there? So story and then relationships. And so the idea is to be consistent. So people, you know, I love the question of like, well, what's the return on investment? And I'm like, well, it's not going to be in the first month or two. I can tell you that. And so, as you know, marketing is a gradual and consistent build. And it's something that you have to be in for the long haul. So if you want to see that your revenues are up 100% in a month, please don't hire me because it's not going to happen. But I will say that over time, when you are faithful to the process, it definitely happens. And uh, I'm not going to say hundred percent, but it definitely happens. So you develop the story, you create the strategy. So for me, even before the relationship piece, it's coming up with what's the roadmap, what's the plan. Let's understand the market. I love delving into research and understanding the competition and the niche. And um, I think a lot of people have a hard time dialing in their audience. And so when they say, you know, everyone could be my customer, that means nobody can. And so you have to really get specific and, and frankly, specializing is, is a brilliant thing to do because you can be more clear on your audience and then deciding what tactics. So how are we going to build relationships with that audience we've just identified? So we've mentioned media relations, social media, e-blast, blogging, um, anything that you're doing, podcasting, you know, we, we have a podcast. Um, events when we can meet in person, Zoom events when we can't, you know, anything that we can do um, to get in front of people and stay in front of them. Because as you know, the marketing research is that you need to be touched by a brand an average of seven times before they interact. The most likely way that they interact is a word of mouth referral. And so somebody that you trust says, you got to check out this brand. And that's what solidifies the deal. But all the other things validate that decision. So seeing you on TV, hearing you on a podcast or radio, getting, you know, watching you on social media and engaging that way and all these different things. And so, um, so we do the story, we do the strategy, and then we start to implement. And so, you know, my preference, because I've always worked with small companies, small institutions, and I, I respect small budgets because I believe everybody needs marketing and PR and not everybody can or should pay a fortune for it. And so what I would rather do is set people up with their story and their strategy and then coach them to implement it doesn't usually happen. People just say, can you just do it? And so I do, but it's a lot more expensive. And so I do coach people and give workshops and things like that to try to empower people to take on what they can because social media is something, frankly, that you're in every day. Why not do it yourself? Yeah. So, um, so that's the implementation. And I do think it takes time and repetition and then nurturing those relationships over time, reminding people that you're glad they're there. 
um, getting in front of them in a lot of different ways and, and being there in a true caring sense to continue that relationship. And with influencers even, you know, that's another touch point. And when you were talking about, you know, nothing's going to result in an overnight sale, which right. it's not just you, it's, you know, our listeners can hire anyone. It's right. not going to happen overnight. It just no. isn't unless you're a diet tea and you put some magic formula out there and <laughs> kaboom, it happens. And then later <laughs> on the diet tea gets sued and there that goes. <laughs> right, right, right. But, you know, you touched on all the different, you know, you know, what you can do in, in trying to get people to be aware of your brand, but influencer marketing, your social media, your mm -hmm. print advertising, TV advertising, radio, outdoor billboards, all of that come together to actually create and yes. support your story of mm -hmm. at least sharing brand awareness to get to, as you were saying, until that point someone says, you should really check out and you have yeah. that word of mouth and off you go to purchase. Yeah, and it can feel really overwhelming, too, because there are so many marketing channels and so many ways to tell your story through different communication channels. And so the best way to do it is to start slowly and pick one thing and master it. You know, So if you want to be on social media, why do you have to do LinkedIn and Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and Twitter? You know, Why don't you pick one and do it really well and build a following? And you can branch out into others in time, especially if your budget is limited or if you're you know, human power is limited. Um, all of these channels are possible. And we've had clients that we do all of them simultaneously for and others that just want us to focus on one. Um, I do think over time, it's really wise for any organization to be in all of these marketing channels. But maybe you're alternating, you know, maybe you do four media pitches a year, and you do social media posts three times a week, you know, it does not have to be 24 seven, five days a week. Um, I think a pace that you can keep up with and, and be consistent. I mean, blogging is a great example. I'm a huge fan of blogging. I think it is so helpful for SEO as well as for thought leadership. But if you can't commit to writing a weekly blog or a daily blog, don't do a monthly blog. You know, just have something consistent that you can commit to and your readers will know to find you and, and build it as you go. But if, you, if you're gonna take it on and then drop it, it's just not worth it. So gradual is okay. Because after three years, once a month, at least you have 36 blogs that you didn't have before. Yeah, exactly. Maybe you publish a book of your blogs. That's great, you know? Um, and that's another marketing channel. So there's all kinds of possibilities. Or you turn your blogs into the start of a podcast. And then exactly. you just keep on repurposing the content. And it goes on and on sharing your story. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So how can people find out more about you? Find out about your workshops. Find out about the tools you have to help them tell their own stories better. Yeah, so uh, yourppl.com is our website for your people. We're also on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. Um, we blog, we send out an e-blast, we have all kinds of workshops. And I just launched the Make Meaning Movement, which is an expansion of our Make Meaning podcast, which I would love for people to tune into. Um, and that's makemeaning.org. And so um, it's sort of merging this concept of meaning and purpose with marketing. Mm -hmm. And we are helping people to find their individual meaning and then use that information to build a company or a career that they love that is purpose-driven. And so through Make Meaning, we're talking about meaningful marketing as well um, with that sense of purpose, which, you know, is sort of inherent in everything we've talked about. But sometimes it's not as explicit. And it's really helpful if you're an established company to go back and say, what's the purpose? Why are we doing this? And then that can infuse your storytelling with a whole rich level of of awareness that, that people really connect with. That's awesome. 
So any last parting words of advice, Lynn, for our listeners on how they should be taking steps to tell their story better? Yeah, so I just think that slowing down and reflecting is really important and trying to understand not only what your company means to you, but what does it mean to other people? So sort of getting outside of yourself a little bit. Um, the story is something that is ever-changing. As you grow, as the company evolves, um, you've got to revisit the story. I, I like to revisit it every year, and it doesn't change that much from year to year, but every five years, you probably have a rewrite probably have a whole new story because the origin is the same, but how far you've come has changed. And I think you have to let the, the change change the story too. So um, it's a journey and it's something that should be fun and it might teach you things about what you're doing that you had no idea about. Or make you realize that maybe there's different directions you should be going. Absolutely. I think the biggest mistake anybody can make is to not actively work on marketing doesn't have to be aggressive. It doesn't have to be all the channels we talked about, but a little bit each day goes a long way. Well, and thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate your time and your thoughts and leadership here. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Of course. And to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I look forward to chatting with you next week.